Hello, and welcome to The Art of Teaching. I'm your host, Pete Anderson, and this is the podcast in which I speak with educators about the qualities that make for good teaching. My guest today is veteran math teacher, Kathleen Lytle. Let me try that again. (laughs) Say hello, Lytle. Hello, Lytle. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Lytle, why did you become a teacher? All right. So I kind of had an unconventional route. Um, I did not go to college to be a teacher. I actually thought I might want to go to medical school um, at it was inspired by actually my physics teacher and she, I remember she put a, me and like three other kids at a table and she called us the future doctors of America. Oh, Don't know what the reasoning was. <laughs> Did that little jab inspire you of saying that? To you as the teacher? Yeah, it kind of did. And so I was like, well, you know, I care about the human condition. And so I went to UVA where everybody goes to be a doctor or a lawyer. Like, you know, that's odd to to hear. I care about the human condition. I mean, I get it, but I never heard it said. I had someone say that to me when I was trying to figure out what do I do next? Because clearly my sophomore year of college, I realized I didn't want to stick people with needles. And so I figured the medical field was out. Uh, Okay. Um, And so I had started as a biology major in college, um, hated biology at UVA. Sorry to those of you who are biology majors at UVA. They're not listening. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Um, but I had taken a lot of bioethics classes and really enjoyed it. So I just wanted to drop biology and switch to religious studies because I had Ooh. the credits to wow. switch. Okay. So did that. You know, I went to Catholic school. So I'm like, oh, religious studies, you know, these classes are going to be cake for me. But it was really cool because I think a lot of people were like, oh, are you going to be a minister or something like that? I was like, no, no. Like this is more, it was more of a sociological approach Hmm, to religion. So I really enjoyed my major, but I knew I wasn't going to do something in religious studies. At that point, I was like, I just need to finish my bachelor's and go from there. So in the meantime, I did take education electives. Wait, wait, you finished a bachelor's in religious Religious studies? studies. Yes. Okay. And, but I had taken some education courses just as electives and really right. liked it. So when I graduated, my stepfather, who had been a teacher at the beginning of his career before he went into sales, was like, well, why don't you get into substitute teaching and just mm-hmm. see if you like it? But then, And I was like, well, I want to go to high school. And he's like, no, you look like a high schooler start in elementary. So that's what I did. <laughs> and I actually ended up doing a long-term sub position in a kindergarten classroom. And thought I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher after that. I know. When I think about it now, I'm like, there's no way. (laughs) And at the end of the year, they didn't have any teaching assistant positions because I wasn't qualified to be a teacher by that point. So I happened to interview at an alternative school where they had a TA position. Um, It was for kids with emotional disabilities and autism. And my thought process was, well, if I can go there and I can survive... I know I want to go to graduate school. That will look really good on my resume. But you weren't looking for that kind of job. No. Which is a really unique job. No, yes, it was. You just, I need a job. There it is. 
I'm going to take it. Let's see what happens. I like education. And it was crazy because I remember the teacher, I was uh, an assistant in a fifth grade classroom and the teacher looked at me and she's like, do you want me to tell you how this goes or do you want me to throw you into the fire? And I was like, throw me into the fire. Like, let's go. And at this school, you've got a fifth grader looking at you going, who the F are you? Right. And it's like, wow. I mean, they test boundaries right away. And so I was there like two months and people are like, well, are you going to go get your master's in special education? Like that you can fast track it because this is such a high needs area. What year is this now? This is 2009. Okay. Yeah. 2009. So I was like, okay, you know, sounds like a great, at this point I'm like just trying to find something that sticks and like to have a career. Cause I'm like, I'm out of college. Like there's that pressure of, you know, always being a high achiever and feeling like I needed to do something great with my life. Uh-huh. Um, but I fell in love with the kids. I really right. did. I loved alternative ed. Like it's so different. Right. It's all, all the out of the box thinking, take everything you know about teaching and just throw it out the window. You definitely uh, learn. I've tried a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it comes back. You, I mean, I actually had a conversation with a student recently and he's got really bad ADHD mm-hmm. and he was just kind of commenting on how like more chill I was than some of his other teachers who like right. get in his face and get annoyed with him. And I told him, I said, well, you know, I started an alternative school, so like a lot of the behaviors that probably annoy just like your general ed teacher who's never done alternative, yeah. I kind of just pick my battles. So I have a little bit more patience for you um, because I did alternative. And I told him, I said, I actually think that every teacher should spend some time, whether it's like in their teaching career as they're starting out or during student teaching in that alternative setting. Because after that, your behavior management is just... You get that from that. Still don't know what I was looking for And my time was running wild A million dead-end streets Every time... But you made this switch. Yes. To, and I don't want to get too nitty-gritty as to why the switch. Yeah. I've heard some of the why. Yes. Um, was part of the why wanting to be a lead teacher? Yes. Okay. I think, because even, like, I mean, my I loved co-teaching with you. But right. I think what I discovered with co-teaching is I was bored and I wasn't right. expanding myself. Well, it was the repetitiveness of mm-hmm. my jokes, I guess. All of your jokes. <laughs> that, that one again. <laughs> no. Well, Heard it. <laughs> well, and I think, like, what I noticed, I think, you know, when... The best way I can describe it is when I I did musicals in high school. Yeah. And one of my friends told me, she's like, you know, one of my grandmother, my, my grandmother, when she was watching you on stage, she said, you are the kind of singer where she just wanted everyone to shut up so she could just hear you sing. Mm. And kind of the real pivotal moment for me was when we were hybrid and I was co-teaching with Morris. Yeah. And he wanted me to stay in the room with him. Well, that prevented me from talking to my online kids. And so I was in the back, masked and muted. And it's such a metaphor for how I was feeling about my job. And that was so hard, you know, to convey. Because, like, he was great. And we actually, like, our kids did awesome with us. Yeah. Um, But I was like, I meant for more. And I had actually started having that conversation. Even with Leah, I was like, 
I know I can do more. I know I can grow more. And I know I'm meant to be center stage. All right. So you got the gig. I did. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately for us elsewhere. But you got the gig there at Colgan. Colgan. One question comes to mind. And it's not necessarily maybe the first time, but describe that feeling of getting your own classroom. Your, it's your oh, room now. it's so nice because I had my own classroom at Pace. Yeah, at Pace. I didn't so, know that. Yeah. So I was thinking, but that moment when, you know, so it's been a while. It's been so a while. So here you are going, this oh my is gosh. your room. Go. It's What's it feel like? Equal parts scary, equal parts exciting. Like, because for me, so much of my teaching methods are about the psychology of teaching. So what mm-hmm. kind of environment am I going to create that inspires my students? Right. And like it just having that creative control, if you will, um, lots of imposter syndrome, because obviously, like, I'm not a math major. I'm not your traditional math teacher. Imposter know? syndrome. Yeah. You feel like an imposter? I do. Right now. How about yes. Now? You don't feel that way now, do you? Um, no. Now, I mean, I am in a point at my new school where like, I am like, my gosh, I am in my dream job and uh, we are just going to rock oh, it. Good. Like, it's just. All right, good. Yeah. No, it's. All right, so that room, <laughs> that feeling of yeah, that you walk in, this one will be yours. And it's like, ideas start spinning. Oh, ideas start spinning. I mean, it has changed so much. Yeah. Um, I've kept it fairly. Like, I did. I, I'm not somebody who's going to throw all the decorations up there. And I'm actually currently experimenting with more of a problem solving model that involves having the kids stand up at whiteboards. Right, right. And you giving the problems verbally mm. instead of on paper or nice. on the board. And some classes that's been. You know, they don't like it. It hasn't gone as well. But my third block in particular, I guess the word I would use to describe them was a lot. There's a lot of talent in there, but there was a lot of apathy. Mm -hmm. But when I switched up this model, up the model in this latest unit, that class is my favorite class. Really? I have kids in there that like you give them a non-curricular task. Like I gave them, you know, here is here with four fours. Tell me all the way, and you can use the four functions. Tell me all the ways you can make the numbers one through 20. Right. And I have kids in there that would work the entire class period if I let them wow. do that. There's another game called the 24 game or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't mean the one online where the numbers are moving around like a No. Little, something else. I think it's in our closet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At school. Uh, interesting. That's cool. Yeah, and well, it's, it, I mean, it renewed that class because yeah. I got this new kid who was a transfer from another high school in Prince William. And like, it was one, he's one of those kids that could make or break your class, right? And if you come in, <laughs> yes, yes, you know, I know. Like, you know, and so he, since I changed, because he, I could tell he hated taking notes, but clearly smart kid, he came with an 87. So he's not yeah. dumb in math. Yeah. I started throwing problem-solving stuff. Sometimes it was related to the curriculum we were doing. Sometimes it was just, here's a random math problem I found. Right. right. He has transformed the performance of the class. Yes. I mean, it is just, it was one of those moments. I mean, everything I hand to him, you know, here's, like, we did systems. And one of the questions is, you know, they sold tickets to the dance. Right. You know, they found 47 ticket stubs. This is how much each, you know, ticket cost. 
and you there's two hundred dollars in the cash box, but there was a dollar found outside. Does that right, dollar belong right. in the cash box? Uh-huh. And watching that class, I remember I gave him like 30 minutes to work on it and didn't give him any solutions, just said, right. and I was like, all right, we have to pause and we have to do, you know, yeah. some extra practice. I'm going to show you. That's how I introduced systems to okay. them. Yeah. And when we finished with just like, you know, the basic grunt work they had to do, I yeah. had kids that organically got together. Miss Lytle, can we continue to work on this? Oh, and what a home they, run feeling oh that is Oh my gosh. For you. It was huge. And that class is not, I mean, they are a completely different class. They went from being like every day, like every time I had them, it was drudgery because they were just like, and again, you know. What, when did this change happen with this one kid? Oh gosh. Recently? Recently, like two or three weeks ago. Oh, that that recent? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. So maybe you don't know now. Uh, Do you feel like there's somebody who was failing is now hitting the other way because of that kid? I I got one of those, that's why I ask. Possibly, because the kids told me the other day, they're like, Miss Lytle, like, not only is he good with the problem-solving task, but he's really good at explaining math. So he has started to help his other peers. Exactly. That's what I mean. And that is the magic moment right there. Because I think, you know... So your job got a lot easier. It did. It did. And so with that class alone, with my other classes, I've still had to maintain more of a structured approach. But with that class, I am excited to come in. That's the class that I'm like looking at all the supplemental things. What can I find right. that ties into this right. next thing we're doing yeah. just to build, continue to build what we've started and maybe take that model and use it for all my classes next year from the jump. Yeah. I got one particular block that ain't going so well. Yeah, we all <laughs> For do. a variety of reasons. Yeah. Uh, and I knew, it was like, man, this one kid, if I could just get him on my side. But it turned out to be another kid who I got on my side, who I think is going to get someone else to pass my class because yes. it's not me that's going to get him to pass that yeah. class because I can't change his attitude, but that other kid can. But, you know, I think that's okay. I think oh, it's we definitely okay. put a lot of pressure on ourselves yeah. to reach every single kid. Oh, you and can. I, you know, we're to that point. What, it's like the middle, almost the end of the third quarter, right? In my yeah. brain, the third quarter is almost over the SOLs coming. Oh, and I've yes. had to have those honest conversations with my class where I'm like, guys, at this point, if you are someone who doesn't care, I can't change that, but I need you to not drag the rest of the class down. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to beg you yeah. to come do what you, I'm going to help. I, Cause I have so many kids that are on the cusp of being successful and they want it. Right. Cause I have so many, we have a very large um, English language learner population yeah. and those kids come and they just want to kill it, but their language just isn't quite there yet. Right. But those kids come in and they bust their butts. Right. Every day. Gosh, if I had that kid who would change to be on my side and help others and was bilingual, oh boy, I'd need well, that. Well, and I have some of those. I, I Actually, I got Girl. a pair of brothers from Glen Allen. Really? No, yeah. Don't say um, names. I'm not going to say names. <laughs> but we'll talk about them later. No, we will. But I got a pair of brothers and um, Tim Fenn had one of them and was right. like, you're going to love this kid. Um, uh, he's cool. a champion. And... I did not get as good a feedback mm. from about the other one. But what is so interesting is both boys are thriving wow. in my classroom. I know you've been laying back a long time. All right, 
ladies and gentlemen, we're back with Kathleen Lytleton, your educator. And uh, my first question is not for you. This okay. is for the audience uh, because Spotify is now letting you post like survey questions. Oh. And I haven't tried this, so I'm going to try it. So this is for everyone else uh, out there in Spotify land. What, in your opinion, uh, is or was the most boring subject in high school? Choose from the list below. I can, I, don't, I haven't seen it in Spotify, but I'm curious with, if anyone out there listens to this, what your thought is the most boring subject in high school. So, Lytle, what do you, not do you think? What do you think your students think? So what do your students think, in your opinion? It's the most boring subject in school. Um, what's, what's the top of the list? Go. Come on. I think we might be at the top. We're at the list. top. Math? Math? Math. It's okay. Um, Why? Why is math the most boring subject in high school? I think if you... That's my dog, by the way. That oh, you should pick good. a side of this wall. <laughs> you're going out the door. I Why think... is math boring? Um, I think if you don't get a teacher who wants to instill a little creativity in math and try to make it fun and interesting, it can be very dull. Or if, you know, you're in the SOL realm of multiple choice and just drudgery, because that's what I see on their faces when we have to go through the drudgery. Mm, drudgery. That's um, a good word for it. I know. You'll be happy to know that I've tur- flipped a lot of kids. Jill Vick won't be happy, but they like my class more than English 9. Oh. <laughs> Or chill. <laughs> All right, so I wonder then, uh, teaching the drudgery, teaching it as cold. Yes. Uh, why do people do that? I think there are some students who need to like see it structure. You know, you have those students. And I think also it can be overwhelming to kind of branch out and try something new. Because I think what I have noticed... in New meaning a new way of teaching. New way of teaching, yes. Not new material. Correct. But there is new material. Not new material, but different material. But there's different material. So I'm currently in a book study called Building Thinking Classrooms. That's the name of the book that we're Mm. currently reading. And it's specifically Building Thinking Classrooms in a math classroom. Right. And they have said if you take the problem-solving approach, so really they kind of want to kick technology to the can which yeah. is interesting you know like right now that's to, what i'm doing but they talk about in a way. you know they talk about having the kids standing designing your classroom so that when they walk in they don't just assume oh this is how this class is going to go so they talk about defronting the room and mm. it's more student centered sure um sure. having them standing at the whiteboards <clears throat> really not using technology which is ironic because in my classroom, let me tell you how many screens I have. <laughs> I have a smart board. Right. I have a TV monitor that right. I use as my second monitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have these new new line boards, which are basically like the portable Prometheum boards okay. that you all have. And I have an iPad cart for with, with an iPad for every child in my room. And they have laptops with touchscreens. They have laptops, and you have a cart of iPads. Yes. Now, back in like uh, elementary school, they it was called cows, computers on wheels. If it's iPads, what's it called? <laughs> owls. Owls. I don't know. I, uh, owls. I, uh, I owl. I don't know. I know. We'll come up with some cool. <laughs> we need another thing. name for that. And so, and that's the the other owls. piece. I've just been told by my department chair that 
Sherry, who's the other new algebra teach one teacher, and myself have been volunteered to pilot an Apple classroom. Mm. And so we're they're going to get us MacBooks, and apparently it's going to be amazing. But Sherry and I are like, is there going to be training? Are my iPads all going to work? The PCs are are I mean the computers are PCs, not Apple. Is correct. That correct. Correct. And they're talking about an Apple cloud. Boy, that's rather bizarro. Well, I think in my classroom, because I already I have the iPads, I think the thought process is the only technology I would use are the iPads. I currently right. already have an iPad as yeah. that and what's cool. So not everybody has the iPad. Every bunch. teacher, every teacher in the building has an iPad. As far as No, I, I mean know. like a class set. Correct. No, Algebra 1 got priority. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, and then there are other subjects that do have them. Now, what I like about Apple Classroom, now that's more probably more about the control aspect, is I can control their iPads, and I can push stuff out to them. I can lock them into Desmos so they can't cheat during tests. I always tell Day people- Day 1, that's what we wanted. And I saw, yeah, I'm sorry, this is no, way a long time it. ago, and I saw it work. And said, this is how you can, and this mm-hmm. is like in the you know early 2000s, mm-hmm. this is how every con- computer can, can be trolled by this thing. And we said, we, Henrico, it's too expensive. Uh, and it was. It and is. it was complicated back then. Well, but every teacher's like, no, if, if we can't, then we can't control it. And then teachers wouldn't use the technology because of the lack of control. And see, I now with the iPads and with the Apple Classroom, I will have that control. Because as it is now, yeah. now I just use the iPads mainly as like that's their Desmos calculator right. for all right. their tests. I can also see all of their screens. I can go control an individual student's screen. So like right. I've caught kids watching, you know, videos on the iPad and yeah. doing what they're supposed to. So I just click lock and they get a little message. The right. screen goes gray and says, Miss Lytle has locked your iPad. Yeah. So I say I open the laptop. That. <laughs> right now, I mean like this week, if I say open your laptop and let's blah, blah, blah. You know how many kids are going to be watching basketball in March Madness? <laughs> About 75% yeah. of them. It's insane. It's like, I can't. I just yeah. can't. No. I mean, it's bad enough to get them to not put look, watch on from their phone. Oh, yeah. But if their laptop's open, that is definitely one of the tabs that's open mm-hmm. that will be switched mm-hmm. as soon as I walk by and switch back. It's just, it's insane. Yeah. Oh, so yes. I feel you. Oh, no. differently in this Apple classroom. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the teachers, and I think most people would agree math is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, that's decades. Of, yeah, everybody decades says that. Math. You talk well, to any person out there in public, oh, I hated math right in your I face. Mean, and you I'm a math parents. teacher. I mean, and you know what the craziest thing was at back to school night? A lot. I had a lot of parents approach me and actually tell me that their student was bad at math and not to be surprised if they failed. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, and I was like taken aback. A little optimism what here. What parent comes <laughs> on the third week of school and tells you, my kid's probably going to fail your class. Yeah. Just because I don't like it. Now, the, now the, the great part of that is a lot of those parents who said their kid was going to fail my class, those kids are doing awesome. Mm. So I'm yeah. like, you oh, know. Yeah. Sure. All right, but here's here's a weird question. I don't know if it's even answerable, but I'm going to ask it. We know, society knows, math is very boring. Mm-hmm. And we know, as teachers, it's real easy to just deliver. Yes. To be that, let me just, here's oh, how yeah. you do it, worksheet, worksheet, boom, boom, boom. And that's 
one of the reasons why, because it's the kind of material people mm-hmm. just well, know. Well, yeah, there's it's certain like skills. Clean in your room. Yep. Is it a responsibility of the math teacher to make it more interesting? Versus, I guess, is it the responsibility or maybe a partial responsibility for the student to step up because this is the show? This is what we do here. I Where does the responsibility lie in that? I think it's 50-50. That's a weird 50. one. You know what I mean? I think, you know, because I've had moments where, like, I've found an activity that I think, you know, will present something differently, yeah. right? It'll be fun. Oh, I found this fun activity. And yeah. I my students come become what I call fun suckers. They don't think it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> they just... Yeah, like, I gotta write that one down. Yeah, oh, I say that all the time to kids. Don't be a fun sucker. Like, please. Like, I mean, and seriously. I mean, have you ever had that moment where oh, yeah. you've like, you have spent all this time planning this activity that you think is just gonna be amazing, oh, and they're gonna be into it, and then it just falls on deaf ears, and you're like, I just yeah. did all that work. I have for mentioned what? this in one of the conversations before, but just because I saw Tim, it Mm. happened on the day Tim wasn't there that day. Okay. And it was, you know, all of my effort into this thing and it just crashed and burned because of the room was full of fun suckers and it needs more than one person in the room to anti that. Yeah. Oh boy, did it crash and burn. I think, but I think it goes back to, I, I quote you all the time because we, you know, we taught for five years together. I think as a teacher, it's your responsibility to demonstrate that it's okay to fail oh, yeah. and try again. And so I, there are days where, yes, like my creative lesson crashes and burns and I'm like, holy cow, how many, you know, how many minutes did we lose? Cause right. the algebra one curriculum is so jam packed. But when I take a risk and that one student who didn't get it suddenly gets it, like I had a really magical moment towards the beginning of the year where we were just solving equations and all, combining like terms and all that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try algebra tiles. Oh. You know, those cool little yeah. tactile oh, I know things. Them. Those things go everywhere. They do. Oh, they <laughs> go they all the floor. over the class. Everywhere but where they're supposed to. But, but conceptually, they're amazing. I had one I kid that literally, he'd been absent a lot and he just, you know, was, his grade was in the tank, but that kid latched on to those algebra tiles. He liked it so much that he called me over, Miss Lytle, can I show the class how to do this? So he went from being kind of just like, I'm absent all the time, meh, to Miss Lytle, can I teach the class more and leading the class? And so that was a risk that I took. And yes, did every kid in that classroom love the algebra tiles? No. No. But those kids who needed a physical representation, I saw I saw them draw algebra tiles on all of their practice and all their tests yeah. for like that entire unit. Wow. So I so to answer your question, is it the responsibility of the teacher to make it interesting? I think yes, but also like give yourself some grace. Like know that if you're gonna try something different, especially in the math classroom, you're gonna fail. Oh yeah. But it will you might also reach that one student. And I say this because a lot of my A students this year, I have just assumed that they're A students. Like this kid's just, they come in, they do their work. They know how to be a student, right? They can play the game. And so I just assume, oh, these kids have always been good at math. And they're like, no, Miss Lytle, I haven't. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't regret making those changes. Now, are there days where I'm like, oh, thank God someone gave me the guided notes and the worksheet. And that's what we're going to do today because we're all tired. Absolutely. And it's got to be a variety. 
I've heard many a person say, it's not my job here to entertain you. And you go, all right, I get that. You know, it is the responsibility of a student to step up and take notes Absolutely. and do things. Absolutely. I think there is. It's a 50-50. But when there's no version of in, of uh, lightening up the material, yeah. given the age group, that's like, well, that's going to be a no-win for many, mm-hmm. right? So there's always a mix of that. And, you know, there's this uh, – it's just a commercial on TV. I don't, maybe it's just local. You know, and it's, this, it's found on that um, – Oh shoot! Who invented the light bulb? Um, Watson? Uh, no. Uh, uh, oh crap! I can't. Well, we teach math. Well, yeah, we don't teach history. Not science, science or the history of science. That dude. Oh well, we're gonna Is get flagged for Isaac this. Isaac Newton? No, or? no, that's too old. We need. We are, anyways, speaking of technology, let's just see. Hey Siri, who invented the light bulb? Oh wait, one go. Thomas Edison. Duh. Oh, duh. <laughs> I thought it was going to tell me. Siri didn't want, Siri didn't want Siri to talk about it. Siri didn't want to talk. Anyway, so the point of this story was Thomas Edison, Edison has a quote of saying, it, and I can't remember now the number because we went too long in this. <laughs> uh, I didn't fail uh, 600 ways of inventing the light. I found 600 ways of how not to make a light bulb. And then he figured out how to make a light bulb. So it's yeah. not about the failures, the failures of the learning. And yeah, that's classic. Absolutely. So as a teacher, though... I don't think the general public really understands the idea that you can't not know if this thing is going to succeed or fail until mm. you just do it. Yeah. And when you do it, and then it comes pretty obvious, like, well, that didn't work. Or maybe it just didn't work for those kids in another year. It could be different. Yep. And or then you just pile up these thoughts of, you know, I'm going to save that one. Even from class to class. Oh, yeah, class to class, for sure. Morning versus afternoon. Oh, gosh. Totally yes. different. <laughs> you need to alter that a little bit. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a little break. We're with Kathleen Lytle, tenure educator. What is she taught? Well, it's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. You've been listening to The Art of Teaching. I'm Pete Anderson. Thanks for listening, but it's time to move on to your next class. And the kazoo, which is the second the second worst instrument oh, I've ever had to teach kids how to play. <laughs> oh yeah. All right.